Hey, gang. For those of you who enjoy QF, a podcast about Howard Stern, and would like to donate to us just via PayPal, you can using the email address johnnythegreek21 at gmail.com. You can check the link in the description for the spelling, and it's also here on the graphic. And if you'd like to do more in terms of uh, donations or subscriptions, you can use our Patreon account and subscribe via the black kluge level and you can receive our weekly content that we're putting only on patreon it's exclusive for that platform and um anything over five dollars is just gravy guys we love you thank you so much Artie, maybe it's a take no. makeup <laughs> you want to know something i'm going to tell you something great about beth yeah she never moves her bowels. Well, I'll tell you Maybe what. once a month. I've never seen. I've, I've been <laughs> honest to God. I've been away with Dana, like, to the point and that I've I'm never, afraid for her health. We've Burn. heard. Getting excellent reports on you. Do you ever shut up or just no, miss just it, have to punch you're her right in the face? Nay, you're going to bring me. So Robin, when you get an opinion on your own, I'll Wait talk a minute. to you. Are you. I've put out hit albums. I had the fastest selling album in history. What are you going to be upset with Jason because he whacks off to your to your wife? I mean, that's that turns me on. And uh, I got up and I I pished. I don't want to be in a wig and a purse. <laughs> I do that in my personal life. Yes, I'm like a woman who's been raped. How much is Howard paying you a week? I'm paying you more. Okay, fucking give me a fucking break. Now look, I don't want to get into a long explanation. That's not what I came here for. My audience isn't here to hear to laugh. I mean, Gary's got wife and kids. And if I leave, who the fuck is gonna hire him? <laughs> Joe. Joe, hi, you're on the air. Hey, hey man. Howard. Yeah. Man, nothing. Listen, I think uh, it's time you come out of the closet with Ralph. Oh, please. I know, you, I know deep down, and I mean that literally. All right, so I'm a homosexual. You're a, you're a sword swallower. Right. I'm a homosexual. You're right. Thanks, Alex. Right. I'm to tell you. I'm caught. <laughs> good. In fact, that's good. That would be easy. I'd love to be gay. It'd be so goddamn simple. But then, then when people ask me about why I'm separated from my wife, I just go, you know what? I'm gay. I told you something. I will not say no. I'm I told you it's a personal defect of mine. You don't have to say no. All you have to say is, yeah, that'd be great. I can use the help of Casey. That's fine. I know. I don't want to be told how to say it. I told you my problem. I don't want to be asked. You don't know that? No. You put me in a bad position. You asked me. Now I'm not a good guy. I want to be a good guy. You, I don't. Here's, listen to me again. I'm going to say for the 15th billion times since I've known you. Don't ask me if you can leave early. You know what you have to do, and you know when you have to leave. Don't ask me. So that means when I have to work. When I say I yes, leave? you can leave. Wait, it means no. Work, wait, can I leave? I have no idea what you make. Really? I I, I have no yeah. idea. I got a guy now who's finding out the real names of the occupations of what the people do who bully me. Oh really? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a fighter, so. Hey guys, welcome to QF Podcast about Howard Stern. I'm Jim Fix, a.k.a. Fillmore, and with me today is Chicago Bob, a.k.a. Bobby Chicago, and Sam. How are you guys? Bobby Chicago! Good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, not too bad. Now, this is this particular series, guys, is going to be based on something Bob had wanted to do for a while, but we were trying to clear up the a bunch of things to get through to it and finally we're going to step our toe into it it's um ray versus wiggy and it's going to be a series because there are just like reams and reams and eons of clips uh that we're going to go through at a at a you know one by one sam i think we didn't step into it because it's 
clearly layered and really heavy. Like we wanted to, but once you start, it's going to be like the 15 foundation, you know? <laughs> Except that the 15 foundation has an ending. I don't think there really is an ending to this one because there are so much, there's so much there, man. There's so fucking much. And it's going to be the, interesting. I hope so at the very least. And I want to give uh, full credit to Mikey Rex, one of our faithful who, uh, put together a lot of these clips. A lot of them I do have, but in larger form, but he took the time to listen through a bunch and decided uh, what, what might be great for a compilation. So he sent us a whole bunch and we're going to be using a bunch of them uh, today. Mm -hmm. But again, guys, we don't know how long this is going to go for. So I'm going to say part one, but this is part one of question mark many, you know what I mean? So we're going to get on started first talking, uh, look, looking at a video before we just one sec, Scott, Bob, uh, the, before we get started into the Howard clips, we're going to play some clips from Dr. Romani, who's, uh, like Dr. Grande, kind of uh, a YouTube expert on narcissist narcissism in general as a, as a, as a thing to help us out a little bit going forward. And I recommend you guys don't skip through these because uh, they're short clips, but they're really, I think, essential. Bob? Yeah, so <clears throat> my um, my thinking on even having this as a topic is basically just this. Um, Howard has for many years pretty much put all the blame, allocated all the blame onto his father um, about his childhood there's a lot of discrepancies <laughs> as to what's true what isn't true yeah. what isn't true um yeah. but one thing you know I, I i do feel like i see mpd run in families and some of the stuff that howard has said <clears throat> that that sticks out to me is issues around his mother and he doesn't really seem to focus on it too much, but he said some things over the years that, that seem unusual. And he describes a, a period in time when when his when his mother's sister died. Yeah. And I, I guess that the sister had basically raised her. And from mm -hmm. what I understand, she did have a um, traumatic childhood. Um, during this time period, he talks about her being extremely withdrawn, emotionally depressed, suicidal. Um, there were a lot of concerns over her possibly committing suicide. Um, and then this ultimately led them or her and the father to uh, to find transcendental meditation, mm -hmm. which he largely credits with her coming out of this depression. Mm -hmm. It's one of the only storylines that I've seen be fairly consistent with Howard yeah. when yeah. he it doesn't really seem to be disputed the way that his allegations are towards his his father. Um, it does sort of make sense in the larger scheme of things. And frankly, you know, what we're going to show over the course of the series is we have these audio clips of his mom being abusive towards him. OK, but here's the one thing that people have to understand before we go any further. This happened when he was in college. This didn't happen when he was a young kid. So this isn't this can't be um, explained away as, well, she was narcissistic and abusive because of this early loss in her life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in his life. So he wasn't during his formative years that this was an issue. She, if she was as abusive as you 
might or verbally abusive or reductive, let's say, at, mm-hmm. when he was a young kid, it had nothing to do with the aunts, the uh, the sister dying. It was well, ingrained already in right. her psyche. So, there, there was stuff before that, though, where he talks about how the only way that he could get through to her was to commiserate through basically trashing the other uh, neighbors there. Yep. That she was very self-involved in her own stuff. You know, a thing that we do seem to find with him is this theme that he was his needs were sort of neglected towards her own uh, virtues and self-absorption. These are all things that you would see in in a parent who has narcissistic personality disorder and and a child. Um, So, yeah, we we saw it even before that in some of the stuff he said. Mm -hmm. Another thing about narcissistic parents when I was reading a lot through um, a Reddit thread about narc parents is they are an extension of themselves. So they don't treat, they don't treat children as, you know, you're a baby and you're raising them to be their own person. You treat them as an extension of yourself, like a, like an Mm -hmm. accessory or, or just something of your own like an appendage of some of some kind so howard ray treating howard in some ways like Like an an extension of it like an extension of herself and you can kind of see this treatment throughout his childhood the way she treats him and you can kind of see that in the way he reflects back well he said that she of her she said that she she literally told him, you are me. Yeah, you are my representative. I mean, that's about as straightforward an example of what you're talking about as there is. Well, one example that comes straight like immediately to mind when Sam mentioned that was the um, exchange that the exchange. He explained how when he wanted to get an earring, her her thoughts were, you can't because your ear is my ear. Exactly. <laughs> like if you pierce but your ear. You're piercing my ear. And I mean, I, I'm sorry if I uh, if you're any kind of I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if, if he was uh, psychologically weak or psychologically abused his entire life, maybe he'd buy into that. Uh, but he had to if he had any kind of I don't know, self-awareness, he had to know that that's bunk and that's nonsense. She's just not right. And do it well, anyway. No, not not if this started not- at a really young age to right. where. Howard is not is is really depersonalized uh-huh. and not really given a voice. And he's talked about her struggle became my struggle. Her right. story became my story. This right. is what you see in this dynamic to where, you know, it's it's the same with all NPD dynamics. But what makes it so insidious when it's a parent, particularly a mother who tends to have more emotional access to a child than maybe a father would, is mm-hmm. they're able to get in and really at an early age sort of erase your own identity, erase your own culture within yourself so that you assume their identity. You know, we see this now with Beth. We see this kind of dynamic with him and other people. But when Mm -hmm. you have a parent, particularly a mother who just does never, she never seems to validate Howard, even in his success in his later (laughs) years, she continues to not validate who he did, who he is and his successes. So early on, if she's able to sort of invalidate him as a person, you will ultimately take on that person's 
uh, story and personality, and you'll start to see yourself as indecipherable and non autonomous to that person. That's what makes that's what makes the the real trauma comes through neglect. Yeah. essentially and acknowledging who the person is and really being there for them you're just so absorbed in your own shit basically and you see this constantly even in his memoirs trying to gain his mother's approval and gauge her mood and it's his literal function of every day of every point of every facet of his life like he's always in every point of his life whether it be childhood or high school Mm -hmm. or college his entire purpose is gauging his mother's temperature checking it making sure she's okay does she approve it's constantly checking that and it's It's constantly making sure she's okay it's symbiotic that's the dynamic now that he's set up with Beth is that mm-hmm. now she has to gauge him constantly. She has to take his temperature. It, it, you, their whole goal is to just erase who you are, essentially. And Did ahead. you guys recently see that Gary Puppet posted a uh, video of Beth with uh, know, coveralls and feeding or grooming the kids? It's like seven seconds. Yeah, and at it's one point he's giant it, it's, head. It's truncated, and we what we figure is he asks something, but the question is cut off. Like, what did I eat today? Was it cashews or almonds or something? And she answers for him. She goes something like, it was almonds or whatever it was. I could get, be getting that wrong, guys. I'm sorry. It was from her Instagram, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then she's, and he, he goes, and what was yours? And she goes, gummy bears. And he goes, not anymore. And she, her, <laughs> she, looks, she looks down as if reprimanded. I chastised. unfortunately it, did see that. Yeah. And it's really disturbing if you know their relationship it is. like we know. Because it, mean, it, it, it's it, all disturbing. It's not the first time. No, no, they, no. It they operate like old Soviet propaganda. It's repetition <laughs> yeah. over and over. But we can't eat jelly beans, but we can't eat jelly beans. It's like this thing that they do where she already knew what he was talking about all he said was what did i eat today what can't you eat today jelly beans they've yeah. obviously this is not the first time this little quip has come up with them before because she knew exactly what he was getting at and that's kind of the way they operate it's this just and and this is again what howard talks about with his mom where he'd hear the same stories over and over again about I was just going to say, it's absolutely parallel to his mother. He echoes that same voice. He literally sounds like her now. Yeah, he does sound like her. Absolutely. So we're going to start playing with the Dr. Romney clips, and then uh, we'll uh, let them play out and, and go right into the Stern clips, guys. When we use the term narcissistic child, let's get really clear on what that refers to. We're talking about adult children here, Kyle, because I always caution people because I get I hear from people who have adolescent kids all the time. My teenager is narcissistic. I'm like every teenager is narcissistic. It's, It's a built in. It's just sort of a developmental stage in some ways. Children into adolescence, they are narcissistic, and it's like a, a snake shedding a skin. Mm-hmm. Your goal is that they go into adulthood, and now they have that core empathy. And Okay, guys, going to let this one play through. And self-reflective capacity, all those things that are healthy in adulthood. But we're talking about adult children. And what happens in, for a lot of parents is 
they have the, uh, this narcissistic teenager and they keep taking that wait and see through emerging adulthood, which pretty much goes to about 25. And then they're still really narcissistic, 27, narcissistic, 35, narcissistic, mean, negating, selfish, keep taking their money, still ex- very entitled. Now, obviously, not all these things apply to Howard because he became successful and didn't need to take anybody's money except not give his not dole it out to his underlings, obviously, in a fair and equ- equitable way. Then the parents are like, oh, my goodness, what have I wrought Okay, and I'm going to play the next clip, which is called uh, Possible Causes. And this one's really important because, guys, we are starting at the root of uh, what we think uh, was the issue. And we can discuss this after the thing. Are they at fault? This is where it gets to be an ultra complicated conversation, something I really do get into in the book. Here's the rub. You had something to do with it, but it's not meant that is not meant as blame. So, for example, when your children were in critical developmental stages, you may have done everything in your power to keep your kids safe, to keep food on the table, roof over everyone's head, but had to work a lot. So maybe you weren't there as much as you wanted to be. Okay, so this is, I mean, this is, uh, Ben Stern fits right into this mold 100%. Sure. And by his, own, by his own admission, well, he'll say, look, I worked, I worked, and on the weekends I made time for the family, but they understood me as my schedule was, I got home late, but I was the sole breadwinner, and that explains that. So do a lot of parents, though, fit into that category? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I guess so the onus is on the mother to create the balance like in the in the in the interim. Uh, And this is where we're going to get into the other aspect of the rearing. And for a child with a particularly sensitive or vulnerable temperament, you're hardworking, even if you're kind in the little bits of time you saw them. Maybe there was something lacking there. Maybe you were going through a really bad marriage when your kids were in certain developmental periods. And so they grew up with a lot of that tension and that conflict. I don't like ascribing that a fault to that, uh, but there is a, the fact is the parents were sort of the, the, the background to all of this. Also, it could be, Okay, guys, you know the drill. Be that you had a narcissistic spouse. One of you raising this narcissistic adult child was narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And maybe you didn't call out the spouse for being entitled, for being so selfish and self-focused. So then in this case, when he's doing, you know, the thing of working, which most one spouse would, like many do, then Ray would have to be the tender, loving mother. But as we know, she had a traumatic experience of losing her sister. So mm-hmm. he was tending to her and she wasn't tending yeah. to them. But at a, as an adult, he was already an adult when that happened. This wasn't him in his formative years. But but she was in his formative years, from what I yes. understand, pretty self-absorbed. And- yes, and yeah. really never validated him. So, yeah, the, the important point through what she's saying here is <clears throat> if you have one parent that's working, which is Ben in this case, mm-hmm. Ben is Ben is old school. You know, we're, we're talking about a guy now. I think he's in his 90s. We're talking yeah. about a guy from a different, you know, who went, era. Who went, who went through the depression. Right. So so his probably, you know, what what that generation came from was the mother is there to sort of tend to the children. Mm-hmm. You know, while I but I don't think he was getting that that wasn't happening in the case of Ray, because 
you know, even prior to Ray having her sister die, from my understanding is she had a very traumatic uh, sort of upbringing in general. Um, So, you know, you always see trauma with people that have NPD. So I think that possibly what happened with Howard was Ray had always been like that. And it was just sort of an understanding that she was a brick wall and a stone wall. And maybe he was looking to his dad for more of the emotional support because his dad seemed to be a little bit more human. Mm -hmm. And he may have not received that and he may have falsely projected a lot of these issues onto onto him when Mm -hmm. really his mom, sort of her duty, she was a stay at home mom, would have been to, to tend to a lot of these issues. And it just sounds like she never did. So or I'm thinking maybe Ben did realize that Ray at some point wasn't like that. And that's why Mm -hmm. he became more in tune to that. And that's why he was the one that was like, here's the puppet show. Here's the guitar. Here's the, he, he was the one that was actually providing the stuff for these hobbies. It wasn't Ray. It was Ben. Yeah. And he actually did placate him with these things. So maybe he was actually a little bit aware that he was. she wasn't in tune to these things. Yeah, he was. He was. But nothing right. can supplement that kind of relationship with a a mother and child. And right. and you do see this where someone's just working and that entire area is being neglected. So you throw toys at it. You throw money at it. You know, this, this isn't an uncommon thing. And that actually sort of compounds the issue because now you're kind of stoking the fires of entitlement yeah. within the kids. So. Well, the other thing is people seem to forget that him and Ellen, like Howard and Ellen, were very different personalities. Ellen was very independent. She was she was stoic. I think she got more from Ben's side of the family, meaning like you just like life sucks. Get a fucking helmet. Keep moving Mm -hmm. forward. And whereas Ray was always, oh, you know, this sucks and that suck. You know, like basically a a female version of Howard before he could be Howard. And if if they and he explained and we'll play these clips later on. I'm sorry to beat them to the punch, guys, but um, that she they they were at loggerheads most of the time. Ellen and Ray would fight. And that's because. For for any number of reasons, but that if she was independent minded, I imagine uh, uh, what's her name? Ray saw Ellen as unmoldable, like she could not impose her will on Ellen. So she was going to do it with Howard, who was clearly cut from a different cloth completely. Didn't have the same boundaries. Right. So I don't know if it's not moldable. I think it's maybe Ellen maybe Ellen just knew how to shove it off. Whereas Mm. Howard was deeply affected. Mm -hmm. Like Ellen knew what her tricks and her games were to manipulate and gaslight and self-involve and just go down this road of narcissism. And she knew what the traps were. The sand trap was where Howard didn't. She did. She did. Yeah. She, she might not have been able to said yeah. she gray rocked it. And, and, and Howard's mom, you know, the funny thing to me and what we're going to pretty what we're going to show pretty clearly 
Howard's mom views him as weak. She knows he has no boundaries. She knows she can have his way with him. They're on fucking late night TV. She's telling everybody he's a wuss. <laughs> he's a wuss. And, and, and it's <laughs> funny, like, he, he holds on to this one clip from his dad, who I think was his lifeline. Yeah. And and just wasn't there for him the way he should have been. But really, he, it wasn't his job. No. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. But. You know, here here he holds on to this one clip of his dad calling him an idiot from when he was nine. And then as a adult being years, a little racist shit, his mom, his mom comes out and goes, this is the biggest wuss. She literally calls him the biggest wuss that's ever lived. Right. And, and he and he like doesn't want to acknowledge it because narcissists don't want to acknowledge their true source of pain. They want to yep. they want to create the false self. He also didn't want to acknowledge the fact that he was being an annoying piece of shit and a racist. Well, that too. Sure. Yeah, like like so there's the blame gets shunted elsewhere at all costs. So he learned that real quickly as well. And um at, so and Dr. Romney's going to talk a little bit about that whole the spoiling when that when that becomes a substitute a surrogate instead of a parent you're getting all these all these, you know, toys and whatnot. Because you couldn't, because it wasn't appropriate, because it's not what people did in your culture. Or you didn't know. You just didn't know. You didn't know what it would do. And all of that can be the factors that sort of lead to adult children with narcissism. What's interesting is I've worked with many parents with adult children who are narcissists. And they're pretty devastated. Like, they've usually been wrecked financially. These narcissistic kids have cleaned them out, meaning that these parents would pay for college, would clear student loans, would give them debt. All right, like, now we're talking more along the lines of what they did for him. Like, he didn't clean them out. That's one aspect where this differs. But they absolutely provided him with the entire foundation for him to succeed as an adult, whereas a lot of people simply never had that. A lot of people didn't have their fucking parents paying for this and that and whatever. Uh, and you know, she going. She went shopping. Ray went shopping with him for clothes and for lingerie to get for Allison when they were getting married. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Howard. You know, Howard's narrative about being self-made and yeah, I did it all on my own. I mean, he seemed to have every advantage there could have been at that time. I mean, both parents. He got into Boston University on some pity fuck. Like, I don't even know what that thing was. He got a car. He got it all paid for. His wife supported him through everything. Like, yes, I don't. He he has a power agent. He bit most of his stuff from other guys that were already established. Like, I don't know what he actually did for himself, really, at the end of the day. Like, it seemed like he had a huge support network hooked up with the right agent and had uh, and was dealing with competition who were nicer than he actually was and wouldn't actually take him to task on certain things and didn't play the game uh, more ruthlessly enough. Yep, Sam. And we talked about this with Ben and you started off without any student loans mm-hmm. and a car that you owned, which, by the way, is humongous. Massive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And paid paid his way, paid his freight. Like the parents paid for his entire fucking uh, post grad post secondary education. Unbelievable. Um, payments for houses would buy them cars, would pay for stuff for their kids. I mean, these parents kept giving and giving and giving. And I think the parents thought that if I keep giving them money, maybe they'll start being nice to me. <laughs> I found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number three, just called dealing with adult narcissists. 
I just didn't know. Right. And I think that's a lot of parents are like, I just didn't know. This is why we do this. Right. You know, we do this. So hopefully another generation <clears throat> of parents know. And now there's often a lot of guilt. I'm the one who made this monster. So then they'll engage in things to assuage their guilt. So I'm going to keep being the punching bag. I made this, so now I have to be punished for it. And that's also a common dynamic. Or I have to stick around. Or who walks out on their own kid? Mm -hmm. That's often a theme you see, too. So it's an incredibly painful thing to watch. And, and I wonder if, if they feel that on some level as well, his parents. I, I mean, the guy's I a total shithead, I, I would think. <laughs> but if Ray's a narcissist, I don't know if she necessarily she does, is. but I definitely think Ben does. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I see sometimes in those and, and this is this is very speculative. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I would see his parents, it was almost like Ben was like, oh, man, like this guy's a fucking this. shithead. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like my son is out here with strippers. And I, I don't. This is, and then the mom, of course, is a, is happy and you know whatever because he's he's famous and getting notoriety. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I just feel like Ben is just like ah, oh, this fucking dude is the lowest of the low. Kind of like this is just oh, such I bad agree. shit. Yes. No, you're you're 100 percent right, Bob. Like it was always the most super uncomfortable thing that would happen when they were involved. Ben would look completely mortified, but Ray would always end the segment smiling completely ear to ear and then just completely no matter what. So like elated just to be there and supportive no matter what. Like it didn't matter what just happened. But Ben not yeah. so much. And I think they're coming at it from two different angles. I think Ben would be along among the lines of like along the lines of, well, it's my son. I got to support him. I got to have his back. He's still my son, regardless yeah. of how much this pains me with Ray. Not that she was a stage mom, but she was more than happy to be on the line, on the phone, uh, in on the, in the studio when he was doing a show, go with him on Nightline with the night or nightlife or whatever that what the show was with David Brenner and have no issues like well, yeah, she's a narcissist because she's a narcissist. Way. Absolutely. And, and so his, it's not. His, so it's less about supporting him and more about I'm going to have my fucking say and I'm not afraid to fucking it. say it. Yeah. And it wasn't even like she was supporting it. She owned it and she owned him. Yes, most she did. Of the time that they talked about it. And Ben was just it, Ben's a man's man. He's not going to sell his son out. You know, he, no. he came from the old military and. But you know he was sitting there thinking about my forty-year-old sons talking about jerking off. But the 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 one thing is that they don't seem to dispute ever is mm -hmm. that she was really self-absorbed. She went through this time period that she trashed the neighbors that she didn't really care. I mean, she she'll be like, yeah, when Howard wouldn't get his homework done, I told him he wasn't going to camp. You know, stuff like that. They don't really seem to dispute stuff like that. This yeah. whole phase with her, this whole dynamic with her when Howard's like, yeah, my sister, when she would get going on her stuff, you know, she wouldn't listen to her. And, and she doesn't even dispute telling Howard these stories about, you know, the depression and, and the Holocaust. And she doesn't dispute any of that. But you can't tell a kid something like that. You know, when you're telling kids th those types of stories, those need to come later in life. When you tell yeah. that to a kid when he's super young and has all this affection for the mother, 
you you need to save those for another time. They don't really dispute that she ever laid that on him. Right. They don't ever really dispute those sorts of things, which is why I actually think they're they're accurate. Mm-hmm. Sam, remember what also she did with Ellen about the one fiance that Ray hated. Well, was she and, dating a Puerto Rican guy or something like that? And she. And, and what did Ray do? Yeah. Ray did everything in her power to ruin that. And she doesn't right. deny it. Yeah. Right. Well, when yeah. are you talking about when she sent? I remember a story where she sent Howard and when she was with them. a boyfriend. And again, is what you see with a parent with MPD, very little boundaries. You know, like they 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 will go to that level to disrupt whatever is going on with you, whatever. And they won't take you to the side. They're going to do something to humiliate you. They're going to take down your boundary. They're going to do whatever they can do. And and humiliation is a common tool with a parent mm-hmm. with MPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's continue with this one. And there's another uh, one more last clip. And here's the bottom line. If indeed somebody was genuinely, genuinely abusive, rejecting, neglectful and cruel to their child, and this is the adult child they got, if you did do that to your child, I mean, this is those chickens coming home to roost. My guess is those people may not be watching these videos, but if they are, yeah, there was a complicity there. And all I could suggest is that those parents hopefully get their own therapy, their help. I'm sure they, in some cases, do feel quite remorseful, but you can't unring a bell. Okay, just a few seconds. Oh, so it's really still about how to find techniques to manage that relationship in the present time. Okay, and the last one is just called uh, some, it's just some summation. It's only a minute and a half. I like the sleeping dog. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that giant dog there. I never intended for this happen. I look backwards. I see it. Some of them, some of them will even own. I was overindulgent. I gave them everything they wanted. I never said no. I was loose with money. You know, we had the resources. And a very common one is they themselves came from environments that were they came from families that didn't have enough money, right. didn't have yeah. enough resource, yeah. and they wanted the joy of being able to ensure didn't have that I, that's that's always been my my contention they they overindulged him and ellen i'm sure but mostly him because he's the fucking baby as well and a boy and mm-hmm. uh they didn't set enough boundaries and they did not well i mean the boundaries that ray did were which, which were all self-serving if if our if our guess is accurate and uh but they didn't actually punish him the way you'd punish a kid in those days by taking away stuff he got more stuff and then he had such an awful behavior he learned somehow that if he was annoying enough and whiny enough he would get whatever the fuck he wanted and they didn't have the backbone to say no that ain't gonna happen or she didn't uh because she wanted to control him in a certain way and ben wasn't around to do lay down any kind of boundaries and then so when ben would try to set boundaries i don't think howard would take him seriously because he's like well you're not my dad you're not around you're providing all this money, but it's not like you have a presence in my life. And then he decided, mom, he's going to be a mama's boy because that's the one I can control 100 percent. Or I, I can be uh, like it's, it's symbiotic. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, of, I'm of a couple ways thinking about it. But that's my first takeaway that they just gave him way too much and did not punish him enough when he did wrong. So as a parent, there's things like you can provide a you can provide things as many things and materialistic things and taking them away Mm -hmm. and things like that might not mean as much if 
if you're just so flippant with it. Yeah. But but you have to be a consistent consistent. You have to be consistent about rules mm-hmm. and you have to be consistent about everything. Yeah. If your word doesn't mean anything, kids don't take you seriously and they right. have to live up to their obligation too. And that is the primary thing I do with my own child. If you're not living up to your end and I'm not living up to what I say and set forth, there then it's meaningless and they know yeah. it's meaningless and you're meaningless. Yeah. That's just okay. it. Yeah, the Here. boundaries don't mean anything if you keep moving the goalposts. You're right. Uh, Bob? But but here's the thing with, with what was said in the previous video and what's being said now. When you're disciplining a kid, what Ray would do that I know for a fact that Howard would talk about, because Howard talks about how much camp meant to him, mm-hmm. and it was the only time he felt well, was she repeatedly threatened that. So we're starting to get into cruelty at a certain point. She said, if Howard wasn't doing his homework, all I had to say to him was, I won't send you to camp. Okay, those two things don't align up. So if if the punishment that you're doling out is way overkill, which I think was the case with whatever Ray was doing, and God knows what they haven't even talked about. She Mm -hmm. may have threatened to send him outside. You know, he was scared of going outside. He's scared of everything. Yeah, military Um, school. Military school. This is the only thing that they're talking about. She would go right to his heart. You know, there's a big difference between, and, and this is a, the extremes that actually make everything worse is here. You have Ben that was probably throwing, not throwing necessarily money at it the way that we think about it, but Hey kid, I've worked fucking 90 hours this week. You want pets? (laughs) Do you want to, do you, do you want, I mean, what do you want? (laughs) Tell me literally, (laughs) you want puppets, you want a dog. Like, so then you have that. And then you have this sort of remarkable cruelty that I think right. probably came with his mother to where there's no middle ground that would be, fo- you know, because a kid isn't doing his homework. No one wants to do their homework to, to threaten the most prized thing to that person that has an emotional attachment on top of that. Mm-hmm. Not like saying we're going to take your video games away from right. saying you're not going to camp, which he has expressed many times, which he did into his teen years. She knew that she was that 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 transcends the crime, in my opinion. And that, again, shows, you know, people with NPD are extremely cruel. They 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 love to they, they you see a, a really high level of sadism with mm-hmm. people it, that have NPD. And I Correct. noticed this with like other NPD parents like Hilaria Baldwin, for example. She'll oh, yeah. f- she'll videotape her kids and put it on Instagram having fits and she'll say things to them That's what and I was videotape him and it's the most exploitive exploitative yeah vile humili- disgusting humiliating they're into humiliation, I've ever seen. They're into it's humiliation. humiliating. 
Yeah. Yeah. She's she Hilaria Baldwin's one. We're eventually going to just make a side project and do like every once in a while, do an episode that's going to be, you know, adjacent. And uh, it's there's a wealth of material. There's so much and it's constantly being replenished by new videos, new Instagram posts, new uh, like TMZ type things or, you know, inside Hollywood, inside edition kind of shit where they film them talking. And they the two of these whores can't stop her narcissism parenting, though. (laughs) is yeah. horrible it she will film her children yeah. having fits i mean yeah. bob we would have a field day you got to be yeah. on one for this i don't yeah yeah i don't know anything about her to be honest yeah. we'll give you the crash well, course well, well, well yeah <laughs> we'll fill you in yeah and so in their fashion they really thought they were paying it forward to the new generation and yet they may not have then been paying attention to the emotional enrichment of their child we're in an interesting generation Kyle of helicopter parenting mm-hmm. parents who manage every darn detail of their kids lives to a fault they never want their child to be sad they never want their child to be disappointed they never want their child to be frustrated they fight with the teacher they fight with the coach i'll give you guys an example and my oldest sister and her husband they had their first kid they were extremely extremely cautious with her uh so they had cushions around every sharp object in the fucking house i'm not joking every little like uh like 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 TV cabinet or, you know, a uh, table that had, you know, glass edges or something like that, or not glass mm. edges, but maybe, you know, wicker thing that was a little abrasive, whatever. They had stuff around it so that if she fell, she wouldn't get hurt. This kid, I think, took in both of their anxiety as a youngster and she developed sele- selective mutism until she was about eight or nine. So mm. she would only talk to her little sister, her parents, but never the teachers never the other students, and certainly not to the rest of the family. She's now grown up. She doesn't remember. She claims she doesn't remember doing this, but I know she does remember it. I'm certain she remembers it. And uh, I looked at the causes, and it's, it's a fascinating bit of reading. But basically, if you don't allow a kid to fuck up, if you don't allow him to fuck up and understand that losing is part of you know, winning as well, and uh, that you can fail, but the, it's the, it's the goal is the effort. You have to want something, and you, you appreciate something much more when you've worked hard at it, absolutely, than when it's given to you. With him, when did he ever have time to appreciate any struggle? Except what he claims is this, you know, racial struggle when he was living in they were living in um, in Roosevelt. That's not the same thing. That's not, you know, effort reward slash, you know, I, I just I just find that they I think they entitled him to 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 too much. And he was way too sensitive for whatever reason. He was born massively sensitive, overly sensitive. Sure. So. There, there's no perfect parent. There's no perfect anything. No, I, no. I think the main thing that that we need to get into when we're, when we're talking about Ray is neglect and, and frankly, cruelty, you know, and I yeah. think those are the two things that parents need to be the most aware of because mm-hmm. no one's ever going to be a, a perfect parent ever. Right. Um, but I do think that there are elements of cruelty. I do think there are areas of neglect and what you're talking about with Howard and his, you know, I think he projected a lot of it on his dad because it, it kind of sucks his dad yeah. is kind of like the kid that always gets straight A's and then he gets a B and you go, why'd you get a B? Meanwhile, the other person's getting straight F's. So you just write them off, which is his, his mom. Yeah. And um, I think it's a little bit easier for people to I, I think it's easier for people to blame the dad in a lot of ways because it's it's a familiar storyline. 
The moms take a lot of heat, no doubt about it. But I think the the abusive dad is a more familiar storyline in the media to a lot of people, which is why he kind of went with that. But definitely when you're talking about critiquing, especially because his dad had um, experience in that field, you know, where I come from, I'm not an accomplished musician. I, I do. I did play with some pretty good guys. But my whole thing is, is like when I have a friend who's making music for fun. I'm always going to tell him it's good, that it's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. When I have a friend who's really trying to make it, and not that my opinion even matters that much, but I do have friends that come to me because they they respect my pedigree of where I am as a drummer, and they'll ask me about it. Like when it comes to that, when, when, when someone's trying to make something a profession, you really can't sugarcoat it because this is someone that's about to swim with sharks you know yeah. like no you need to you need to polish that up you need and someone who's smart and, and will make it will recognize that mm-hmm. someone it, who's sensitive and they're like oh no, no they're gonna struggle and they're gonna yeah. take it as attack where you're like no it's this really isn't an attack like you're getting into a competition now you're not just doing this because this is fun yeah like you're talking about taking those next steps so yeah i mean you guys don't have kids but I thought it was so hard that that's why I only had one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm going to do one and uh, that's that seems enough. I thought it was one like a done. vast conspiracy. I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is really tough. I'm, I I don't know how people do this more than once. <laughs> Sam, I have a friend who was one of 14. <laughs> One of 14. Oh, oh yeah. my God. And she, she said, like, when when we'd line up for the school bus, it looked like one of those Russian dolls, and you take all the dolls out. <laughs> <laughs> I have those nesting dolls. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they're called. And uh, and uh, they were not all close. It wasn't all, you know, you. I mean, they were physically close, and that was the problem. Like, you didn't have, like, space in the house for everybody. Can you imagine the bathroom problems just oh with that number? God. It was unbelievable. So let's continue this one with everyone my child first look what happened in this college scandal so these parents want their they 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 foster that entitlement and then these kids who grow up like this can't tolerate frustration or disappointment or sadness those inabilities are the core of adult narcissism okay this first clip is a long one guys but uh it's called wiggy talks about how he and ray used to rip people apart to feel better ray talks bad about <laughs> anyone little howard liked <laughs> oh my God. it's 12 minutes but let's let's slog through it for one of their differences I know my mom laid it on me though she gave me the guilt you think well how did the conversation end uh, we moved on to another topic. Oh, okay. You know, where we basically rip people apart and then we feel better. That's how oh, my, that's my, nice. my mom and I, that's how we relate. <laughs> we go through every person we know. and Who talk. was on the list last night? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say. <laughs> it's private. <laughs> no, like my, my mom, that's my mom and I. That's our relationship. We were very close. Okay. Uh, let me play this one out a little bit more because I want to get all the yeah. context in full. I was living in our house growing up and yeah. she would, you know, get a hold of me. And I'll say, you know who I like? Mrs. Blodnick. She's such a nice mom. Oh, you like Mrs. Blodnick, huh? Well, let me tell you something about her. Her son, he needs an operation, you know. 
and she's taking him to a hospital on Long Island. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. If a child of mine had a serious illness, I wouldn't take it any hospital on Long Island. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> I would be marching myself right into the city. Let me tell you. That's the kind of mother who cares. Oh, so you say you like Mrs. Blodnick. Ah, you like her. But you don't know. She doesn't make a sacrifice. You're going to make it convenient for herself to go to the hospital on Long Island. But a good doctor is in Manhattan. In life and death, you go to the hospital in the city. I, normally, you know, you have to go. He's full of shit, but I believe him 100% on this one. Oh, yeah. I totally believe him because he didn't stutter once. It was, yeah, obviously that stupid imitation. Sam? So he's raised threatened by the fact that mm -hmm. he And what's she likes, doing? He likes some sort of this maternal kindness from some neighborhood mom and yeah. might have said, hey, I was over Mrs. Blotnick's house. She she's might really have nice. made me a sandwich. She was yeah. really nice. Oh, you think she's nice? And what's, and what's well, she's, let me tell is, you something. She is, took her son to a suburban yeah. Which is what? Which <laughs> is what? What have I talked about a million De times? <laughs> Devaluement. Devaluing. Yeah. They have to devalue. Have yeah. to. She has to in that scenario. Because her main supply, which is Howard... Is mm -hmm. starting to allocate supply elsewhere, so she has to devalue that. Yeah, and that's exactly what she's done. But in the process, she's teaching she's her kid to not trust adults, and that most people are bad. But yeah, this is devaluement, classic. Well, this is you know what this is on par with. Okay, like, and first of all, you don't know what people's situations is. Maybe the fucking maybe it was such not a serious thing. So you go take the kid to the local hospital and get him his boo boo fucking stitched up or whatever. Um, but here's the thing: when he would talk about Jay Leno later on, like years, years, years later, and talk about mm -hmm. Jay Leno how he's a scumbag because. You know, oh, they were going to let go of people, and he decided I'm going to give them some of my salary and keep them on, whatever. He was a scumbag because he didn't want more money. He's like, oh, no, that's the network. You know, that's I wanted to get rid of them, not the network. Well, he was actually projecting, first of all, that he would just get rid of those fucking people if it was him in that situation. And he was taking something uh, uh, Jay Leno did, which was actually an amazing thing, and trying to turn it, trying to gaslight you into thinking he was an asshole. How is this oh, yeah. any any different in concept? It's not because I think she's projecting and I think she wouldn't have taken Howard into Manhattan. <laughs> I'm not even no, kidding. But, but she's, so she's threatened by the compliment, which she shouldn't be. It's completely. No. It's another it's, person. She shouldn't but be threatened is, by it. This it's, is it's the level. Not threatening. This is how exhausting. And I want you guys to think about what everyone in his circle is going through because it's the same thing. When we talk about self-absorption, yep. it's beyond taking a photo or always talking. Every fucking thing is about these people. Yep. Things that have nothing to do with these people is about these people. This right. is what drains everyone around them where you're sitting here you're going, what does she care? And Howard probably isn't saying, hey, I want this to be my second mom. This is this is what true clinical self-absorption looks like. Oh, it's oh. not just talking about yourself. It's like, oh, my God, everything's about you. Holy fucking shit. Do you know that 
the one of the perfect clips you chose, the one that we did together for the uh, all around show wasn't any specifically themed uh, or wasn't chronological. The planks guy that he had to devalue because <laughs> he couldn't do it. So this mm-hmm. guy was getting accolades that Howard saw as uh, it's not that guy getting accolades. I'm not getting accolades. Right. You know, and you know, accolades are going over to him and not to me. So I need exactly. to devalue that. It's like. It's shit. You're giving him some drugs. I want the drugs. Don't give him the drugs. Give me the yeah. drugs again. I could have done it. Yeah. Fuck him. Or, ju- <laughs> or just like, or, or for example, like Ronnie getting treated nice by Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler Suddenly yeah. he's your daddy. Yeah. Suddenly yeah. he's, he's your boss. Do you see that, how it manifests? Exact. That's the exact same sort of bullshit. Let's add manifest over. Let's add another one. Mike Ganji going to see Scott Einziger in L.A. when he was there for a visit, and he went and saw him. And then, and this is in the middle of the lawsuit that Howard has against Scott Einziger. Why are you going to see that guy? Well, your lawsuit has nothing to do with my friendship with that guy. That's a friendship <laughs> we're talking about. And the guy doesn't work here anymore. He's not a coworker. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk shop necessarily. And you're just, you're upset because I'm not treating him like your enemy. Like he's, he's my enemy because he's your enemy. Sure. What does one have to do with the other? Oh, and other people are going, well, yeah, that was stupid of Ganji. That was his boss. You shouldn't fuck you. How many people do you know? The boss hates your best friend. Well, the boss doesn't have to deal with your best friend, but he's your best friend. That's the point. You just, commiserate with him and talk with him and whatever and work is work and friends is friends so even even now with ronnie i know about your rich friends in vegas (laughs) those are your new friends i know about them and and the guy's like ronnie's like what are you talking about he's like a couple of them have some money but it's the same it's just it's Ronnie. a cycle of abuse. Ronnie, let me abuse. tell you something about your friends in Vegas, mister. Right. <laughs> Do you think they take their kids to LV General? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue. Oh, yeah, I hate her. <laughs> My mom would get a hold of me and correct me right. about how every mom was bad that I like. Yeah. You know who I like? Mrs. Schmednick. Who is the substitute teacher at school? She seems so pretty and nice. Oh, that phony. <laughs> well, well, what do you mean, Mom? What do you mean she's a phony? Listen, she's a substitute teacher. She's sitting there preaching to everybody. You gotta love the blacks and you gotta love this one and that one. Okay. While she's moving away. She said she likes blacks, but under her breath, she's saying something else. You have to set an example. She's a big phony baloney. <laughs> this I don't believe. This, yeah, this this one. Yeah, I, I, I'm not 100 percent on that a one. A substitute teacher isn't saying anything like that. Bullshit no. lie. And also a substitute teacher just goes there to fill in. They don't give a fuck. They're there to get the the and they don't have to stay afterwards. They're there to just fill in for the day. And that's it. They don't have a vested interest in those students or any students because they're they're by nature of the job. They're ephemeral. But I think he's just throwing out like how flippant and common just it didn't even matter who it was. She was going to trash them, which I absolutely believe that to be fact. Now, do I do I believe that he had a pretty substitute teacher and she said she was phony because she was pretty? Probably. But about blacks? No. 
But yeah. no, he's just saying, he's like, look, it doesn't matter. Mrs. Schmedna, he made up a name. He's yeah. saying this is how prevalent it was. Yeah, Substitute teacher, who cares? She still couldn't let her off the hook. No she, had way. To, she had to dig into her character, dig it like this is really NPD. This is what yeah. NPD is. This is even the most casual thing had to get into whoever this made a person is deepest character, hypocrite, bullshit artist. Like that's how severe it was. Yeah. Could have been like, I had a nice drive through person at McDonald's. They gave me extra napkins. Well, let me tell you. But that's what he's saying. He's saying that even that small. Yeah. She had to go down into their core. That's NPD. That's okay. NPD. Yeah. Oh, I hate she her. She opened your eyes. She would ruin, I mean, <laughs> make me aware of every bad thing going and on. And this still goes on today? I go, Mom, you know you know who I like? Mrs. You know, Blivitz. Mm-hmm. You like Mrs. Blivitz? What do you like about her? Well, I mean, we go over there and she lets us, you know, she... she she gets us all in the car, and, and, and she lets us eat over there. And we can, and she takes us for, uh, for for Italian food in the car. Takes you for Italian food. You see the size of her. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ Almighty! I one hundred. Yeah. I one hundred percent agree that happened because. Oh, oh yeah. I know. Growing up, all of my friends who went over my grandparents' house and my parents' house for dinner, who weren't, you know, Italian, Mm -hmm. who didn't have Italian immigrant grandparents, were like, came over for dinner and thought this was like something to behold. They were like, what the hell is going on? Like, it was like a never-ending feast. And they've never seen anything like this in their life. And I, in turn, went over their house and was sweating bullets, worried we were going to run out of food. And not to eat too much. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's the Italian way. No doubt about uh, that. There you go. That's good. Our children are heavy and she's heavy. You think that's a good mother? You think she's doing the right thing and letting you do whatever you want? <laughs> you think that's responsible? You think that's a lot of fun? Please. Well, you know who I like, though? I like me. Schmorman. <laughs> you like Mr. Schmorman? Yeah, and her, and her, and her husband's really nice because, you know, you know, the dad just sits and talks to us and, you know, talks to us about what happened in the war in World War II. Okay, let's go. Oh, yeah, he does. He's a big bore. <laughs> I go over there. That's all that gentleman talks about. He talks about the war every minute. It's time to move on with his life. I mean, what is that? He's boring people. Okay, now, isn't this... Coming from a woman who, according to him, uh, told talked about the Holocaust and how, um, you know, and 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 family members that were lost in the Holocaust mm-hmm. and and you know the war and she doesn't want a German ice cream scoop and she doesn't want a German car <laughs> and all this because everything German whatever. I mean, this is the problem. This is the conundrum we have. We have based a show on uh, an insane pathological liar. And a narcissist. So we have to take clips in which he's recounting something 
we have to decide for ourselves what's true and what isn't, and we're the arbiters. And a lot of people are going to criticize us for saying, well, if some of it's a lie and part of it isn't, which, how do you, who are you to determine which is bullshit and which isn't? Well, we have ears. The also, he has tells when he is bullshitting. There's a lot of stuttering, stammering, and all this shit. So, guys, it, we hear that complaint. We've heard it already enough. We're going to, you're going to have to trust us to know what we're talking about based on. The, the what we see from human behavior in our own lives and ultimately we have to have an opinion so we're giving it to you so let's not have any of that in the comments please i also think it's clear he's a bold a bold-faced liar but i also do think that these um conversations like he's having right now are yeah. his psyche going on in in his literal head like mm-hmm. i do think even though he's clearly You know, it's a paradox. He's not telling the truth multiple times. And one conversation where he says it was nonstop depressing war stories all the time in my house. And now Mm -hmm. he's saying, oh, you like the war? That's a bore. We need to move on. Okay, so clearly, which is it? Pick a a line. Pick a narrative. That doesn't make any sense. But I do think that he is having these thoughts in his head like right this is his stream of consciousness but i don't come from somewhere yeah what he's doing right now he's not giving literal examples his point is that this was rampant it didn't matter how petty it was. He's he's making people up. He's, he's acknowledging yeah, he's that make, he's, he's making, making people right. up. Yes, we know that he's making up names to protect some people that may have really existed. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think he's just coming up with examples. Hey, I like vanilla ice cream. You know what? You like vanilla ice cream that, you know, he's just he's just making shit up. And he's just saying this is how repetitive it was. Well, I think they always partially tell on themselves. And I think he may be alluding to some of her hypocrisy here. But yeah, yeah, no, I don't think I think he's just really driving home, which he's absolutely being sincere about is how rampant this was, how petty right. it was, how, right. you know, it, it was sort of a relentless nature is kind of what he's saying. And that right. would all be very consistent with someone right. who has MPD for sure. So he's not, so he's not necessarily recounting the, the right story, but he's trying to, but he's probably right. accurate in giving the flavor of what it was like exactly. to hear this stuff growing up. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I got it. Is this like not I don't know if this would be a narcissistic thing, but, you know, in the Sunday paper, how they used to have the big bride section, like how they used to have all the brides where they give your picture like, oh, oh, well, like, no, like married couples, like congratulations to. Yeah. And then they put they post the bride, they would post the bride Mm -hmm. picture and they'd say they had announced the bride and they would post the bridal photo in the big Sunday paper for every city. We used to get couples, but not 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 just the bride. I don't know what I believe you, though. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it would be an it would be like a three page or four page spread in every big city paper. So my mom used to do every Sunday. I don't know if this is narcissistic or not, but we used to do a thing when we were little. We'd go, who's the prettiest bride? And we'd go line by line. <laughs> no, but that's but that's something no. you talk about with your daughter. You say, like, Which, do you like this dress? You know, what do you think? Yeah. About? 
this hairstyle? How does this suit? And women do that bad. all the time. That might be well, what, what would be narcissistic is if you did what Howard's mom did and talked about why everyone's ugly, that why this bad. is bad, why this one. Yeah. Why, and then at the end of it, you didn't have one you thought was pretty. You thought <laughs> that they were all trash. You know, that that would be narcissism, like how Howard is with literally everything and everybody. Everyone I mean, gets picked apart. Mean. Let's see. Uh, pregnant, shotgun, whore. Uh, mm. you know, third husband, you know, like if you went down the list and decided to shit on every <laughs> single one of them in a, in a certain way, right? That would have <laughs> been yeah. at least it would have been creative and funny. But I, I like him, he talks to me like, a, a, I'm a, yeah, he talks to you over and over with the same story. What is that? I mean, good, I'm glad you like him. And I, I, I walk out of there dizzy. I yeah, realized I saying, had the only good parent. She's not still doing this now. She's changed, hasn't she? Oh, stop it. She's here to get a hold of you. No, of course she's changed. Uh-huh. You know, she's a meditator. Now. Right. She was I was younger. hoping. Oh, my God. Everything was a lecture back then. <laughs> okay. I, now well, this is, I walked yeah. out of there realizing I had the only good only, parent. Yeah. See that? Yeah, but he was being sarcastic. He's like, I didn't realize you were just Jesus and that everyone else was bad, which is how yeah, a narcissist he, would want you to kind of feel and walking he, away. And he, yeah, and he mentions, I mean, like, he already, we already know he's talking about elementary school or, you know, like junior high when he's giving these stories. But then he mentions outright TM, so definitely the, the before and after. Mm -hmm. And that very well may have been a change, a drastic change in her personality to the where she didn't feel she had to do that anymore. But I found mm -hmm. that funny that, that that was in her yeah. to make herself feel better about herself. Amazing. Uh, let's continue. I found a spoon from Germany. What? What do you mean? We don't allow anything German in this house. I didn't realize you know my ice cream spoon that we used to scoop out the ice cream? Yeah. It's from Germany. I threw it right in the garbage. <laughs> you did? We love that spoon. It was made in Germany. Your grandma Rose, she had to. It's terrible. A whole family was. Hey, just get a little bit more. Sit down. I want to tell you about the Holocaust. What about all those bad parents? Now you got to hear what bad world it is. Grandma Rose was a little girl. She had no one. Her brothers, her sisters. Everyone was killed by the Nazis. She hid on a farm. There must have been more farms in Germany. There are farms in Germany, lots they of them. Hit her there are farms everywhere, you fucking idiot. With this instability in, in a NPD home is something as insignificant as an ice cream spoon. He mm -hmm. didn't realize that that was going to escalate into this yeah. extreme trauma. Like he, again, he's he's starting to tell on himself the longer, yeah. and not even telling on himself, starting to reveal so, more as this kind of goes on. Yeah. And he's like saying, we didn't even know this. It's a fucking sp spoon. No one knew what was going on. And he's like, this spoon escalated into just extreme trauma. Yeah. And I had to hear about this trauma. And like, he's just kind of, I think, reflecting on how unstable everything was and how there was landmines all over. And that's in PD. It's these landmines and instability and, and trauma Trigger. everywhere, even a spoon. But it also creates like this, you know, for Ray, for being this like liberal thinking person that he also hails, it also creates this blanketed hatred 
mm-hmm. towards I mean, people were forced sure. into a situation during a wartime that they necessarily didn't agree with or weren't didn't want to be a part of, mm-hmm. you know. Well, again, it's 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 kind of a classic cult leader. All these NPD people are sort of little cult leaders in their own mm-hmm. way with their circles or you can't trust the outside world. The outside world is a scary place. You need to stick right. with me. I'm going to tell you like, yeah. And and yeah. he talks about that a lot, how he's, he was terrified of the world. And his mom was sort of the person who guided him and it's carried him. I, I think Howard is terrified. You know, we see it now with the COVID stuff. Um, I think he's completely terrified of the outside world <laughs> on every level. I <laughs> mean, think? I think he is completely <laughs> frightened by every single thing. But I mean, any logical thinking person can understand Nazis bad. You don't need to add this layer of extra, you know, this extra layer of fear, guilt, depravity on top of it to make it terrible. Well, you do 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 have NPD. Right. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Right. Well, especially and especially considering a post-World War II, that would have been such a huge part of the history books in school, uh, at least in North North America anyway. I mean, there's still Japanese textbooks that omit their atrocities in the rape of the, the rape of Nanking. Uh, and that's p- part of why that's still an issue uh, politically, because they're not admitting, you know, their their culpability in these uh, horrible atrocities. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, so for Ray to say this, I, I, I mean – is it is isn't it akin to superstition? I I think a it's little akin, bit. I think it's just akin to abuse. Okay. You don't <laughs> you don't know what you're getting into any minor thing, and then now you have to suffer a trauma. I'm gonna scoop ice cream with this thing. That thing was made by people that tortured your grandpa. You, you're right. like what? What? I didn't do anything wrong. I was scooping ice cream. No, no, you need to be abused. That thing, like that's NPD again. That's it's what almost, NPD is. It's almost like when Beth was like, "We're going somewhere," and he mm. has a tickle in his throat. Yeah, and then he he magnifies it. Yeah, and then he, you know, has to go through the whole trauma of I'm going to be sick for this entire trip, and then I'm going to be down for a week. Yeah. Well, well it's we going to be just, your fault, basically. And it's going to be your fault, and I'm not going to go to work, and I'm not going to go to the show because you made me go to L.A. Well, then, then you get the whole the the perfect, I, I guess the um, the cum shot of all NPD kind of events was Gary's dinner party, where he ended up blaming <laughs> every single person, including the hosts, especially the hosts. Oh God! And then, and he blamed Robin, he blamed Artie, he blamed like Benji, all kinds of people on you know his you know, this his uh, his bullshit wouldn't ever accept culpability which was funny in that the way that it it manifests itself on the show and it was still funny to listen to but when you hear it through the 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 gla- when you see it through the glasses of my god now i understand more about this this whole mm-hmm. psychological problem then it's disturbing. It's a little more disturbing yeah. when you hear it like that. In the original incarnation, man, I laughed my ass off hearing Artie go, mm-hmm. you should have brought your pajamas to the fucking party. <laughs> but you're right. It is. It is seriously like a giant jerk-off party in every direction. Right. 
So yeah, he he didn't want to be there. Anytime yeah. that they they're forced into something they don't want to do, let's even harken back to the jingle ball or whatever he got he had to go to with his wife. That was routine at best. Yeah. Um, they they will really make you suffer. I mean, he's scared of the world. He doesn't want to go into the world. He doesn't want anybody to control him. Control's a big thing. Believe yeah. me, if you try to do either of those things with this guy, you're going to take a fucking beating, a bad beating. And that's what yeah. he does. And when he got to Gary's, he made them take a beating. The the poor band outside, he shut the door <laughs> on. That, that, that was one of the, the chef. He, he didn't care about dessert. They left. And, and everybody knew, you know, we weren't there. He sent a message to everybody. And then on I'm top of that with the jingle the ball. Dog. Right. <laughs> Throw a few you things through the window. I, I, I'm surprised they weren't like, who fucking wants him here? Like, uh, I'm glad he left as early as he did. Well, you couldn't not invite him because then you'd have to hear about it for three hours on the right. air. Instead, right. you had to hear about how you invited him for three hours. You, do, you can't win with him. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I love when they found that clip of um, the guy telling you the proper etiquette for leaving a party. Now, remember, this is very important. Make a quiet exit. <laughs> they all started laughing. <laughs> you, the funniest part, too, is they all were silent when he left. Now, if it were me... And somebody was that rude, I'd be like, what in the flying fuck was that asshole? I would you know, like I would have I would have been like, what a piece of shit. Oh, God I he left. promise you they all said that. I oh, guarantee yeah. they all said that. Oh, yeah. And he projected all over Beth. You told me you wanted to leave. And she's like, ah, I didn't really want to leave. Or and she goes, I only, want to leave I only wanted to leave because you were miserable. <laughs> and you would have made me miserable. That's exactly oh, right. We have to do she that was, one at one point. She oh, was eating her hair in the car. I guarantee yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Flossing <laughs> with that fucking. Yeah. On every day <laughs> she came here. She had a very hard life. You, you want to know why I won't get on a plane and go go to Europe? Right, I Are know. you crazy? But you went well, on a plane to go see the Arsenio Hall show on Fox. <laughs> and Jimmy Kimmel parties. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel parties. Like when you went off yes the, on Tuesday about Germany, I mean, you oh. just thought you were in World War II. Oh, that you were God. hiding in the cellar. Oh. <laughs> but I really liked some of the moms. Sure, it sounded yeah. like they were fun. They were fun and pretty. Fun, yeah, you're looking for fun, right? They can't tell their children no. Well, she couldn't tell them no. I mean, they, by holding, like, you're you're right, actually, Bob. By holding the camp thing over him, uh, it, it was, it, yeah, probably fell into a cruel and unusual, pun, the category of cruel and unusual punishment. But typically, if someone didn't do their homework, what would they get punished with back in the day? Grounding, um, you know, you can't. You can't watch TV for whatever. Uh, in the old days, if we're not talking about corporal punishment, just kind of standard stuff. But to say you're not going to camp knowing that was his fucking escape, like you're not yeah. going to get out of my clutches. And then him talking later on years, like in another clip about how when he went to camp, his parents never visited him, which is what you're not supposed to do anyway. You pick them up, you drop them off and pick them <laughs> up. And we, secondly, should, we should play that clip. I'd love to. I, I don't know. If, I don't if it, it's part of this, but I don't remember exactly where. I'll I'll, I'll see where I can find it. Go ahead. Well, he, where, he, he, where he pretends he, like the 
he doesn't have a family. That's what you're talking yes. about, right? Yes. Yeah, we should, yeah. we should play that clip. He's okay. completely a lost boy. But he <laughs> is saying here, uh, he's saying here, that their parents don't tell them no. Well, maybe they don't need to be told no because their parents clearly probably have regular expectations for them laid out. They probably have regular, normal things. They don't have to go above and beyond. They don't live unreasonably and then all of a sudden lay out the kitchen sink. You're not going to camp out of nowhere. Yeah, they're not. It's all about her and and she's taking away from him and she's invalidating what he's saying. I'm sure they've never even said to him like the expectation Okay, so here's what you have to do and maintain this. And then here's what will happen if you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like this Mm -hmm. normal sort of protocol that goes on with school or whatever. And then instead, she has some emotional flippancy that just switches off and is like, oh, you didn't do your homework? No camp. I mean, it's just like... And in the Ablo clip, in the Ablo clip, you got him saying, "Maybe I'm not the right person for you. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's time." And he goes, "Ablo's like you're threatening abandonment, basically." Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's that's exactly the same parallel. Like, why are we going from just talking about something to, to DefCon that, Five? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Well, let me give me one sec, guys. I'm going to try to find this and put it on another media player uh, because it's a 14 minute clip. I got to get to the exact part. So give me a moment. So, guys, we're basically going to I found I located the clip. I was not sure I had. I knew I had it, but I didn't know exactly where. And it's we're only going to play about a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Then we'll go back to the original clip. But just because we brought up the camp thing, we thought, why not just tell you guys by playing you the, the clip itself? So here you go. And it was a visiting day. And I would beg my parents, please do not come to visiting day. <laughs> now, now, I'm not even making a joke. I would say to them, please don't come. I I so cherished the six. It was only six weeks. If they would have made it seven years, summer camp. It would have been great. It would have been. I wanted to live there. I can't even tell you how much I disliked living at home. Wow. This camp was everything to me. Yeah. My mother would threaten me during the year. She'd say, if you don't do well in school, you're not going to summer camp. Camp Walnut. And it never occurred. Okay, to- we'll let this one go through her that you were most excited about being away yeah well it should have <laughs> that was a pretty good clue and i go and they'd have visiting day where the kids would get candy from their parents and all this and i'd say is there a way you could not come and just give me the candy <laughs> uh, and my parents started to even schedule their vacation <laughs> around visiting day like they would not come as i got older is and, that right and i so appreciate nice. i used to love now this is very odd. Okay, I'm going to stop that. The reason I found that fun was because I have in this mind, like, Ben's going, I'm just going to go to fucking Panama with the wife and forget I even have a son. That's how annoying yeah. he must have been as a kid. Not Maybe not even realizing that fucking Ray was laying a psychological airstrike on the kid. Uh, Sam? No, I think Howard didn't want them there. And... Also, he got so old at some point at that camp. It must have been embarrassing to visit your old kid. Were they bringing him cigarettes and (laughs) candy, tequila, beer? Um, Like, so, you know, one thing, you know, what what he's saying here, this is someone that's really distraught at home. 
Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, this is this is someone who is hearing about Holocaust death and hearing about a lot of possibly influential yeah. adult figures getting shit on constantly. You know, this is someone that just doesn't want to deal with that for whatever kind yeah. of escape this is. Because I could see from like going to Girl Scout horseback riding camp like for summer, I remember duh when it was parents week visit or whatever when they come to see you of course you want your parents to come and see you i was like 12 i think yeah 11 yeah. 12 yeah i wanted my parents to come i missed yeah. my parents yeah to you know, know what we're doing. because their security clearly I miss they my weren't parents. A, they're, they're not a security for how how howard is genuine here when he's saying i just didn't want them to because there was a heavy emotional burden at the house and the emotional burden was what he's talked about with his mom and what right. she went through and what he identified. And um, I know that I I don't know if I want to get fully into this right now. OK, but I know that this is already a kind of a thick episode as it already so, is. Yeah, but we'll just keep there, playing. There's a well, well, one thing I want to say is this goes on because I was thinking about this when uh, I think Mikey Rex sent this over to us. Um, no, this was this was when I clipped. OK, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. You were like, Does, is this relevant? I'm like, yes, this is, this is relevant. So um, <laughs> when <laughs> when I found it, I had to run it by Bob. I was like a mad dash to the even like send was, an email like Bob, this I found I struck gold. I went through the fucking morass of tar <laughs> and shit and I found camp stuff that might actually be funny. Oh. Completely incidental while looking for another clip. And I saw the little write up of Mark's freak and I go, it was like there's like the twilight zone i just said i gotta get it and by the way guys i'm gonna have to preface this with a little disclaimer we are not explaining we're not we're just going trying to go to the roots of why he's been become such a shithead yeah. this isn't yeah. a to excuse him as an, an adult not to be able to fucking have surmounted this horse shit and parlayed right. it 40 years of bitching about it which is really not what we're trying to do we're just right. saying let's let's see where the early stuff takes us sam and I kind of find this more or less like a also a discussion in NPD itself, which sure. I find fascinating. And I think people can get a lot out of that. Yeah. OK, well, well, but before this goes, what I was going to say when I heard this um, and a lot of the stuff that goes on with his mom, <clears throat> why there's kind of a difference. Um, I did have an interest uh, when I was younger and, and kind of body language and, and a lot of it has to do with if someone's being deceptive or not. And uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a part of psychology. I don't really know what you would classify that under. But one thing with Howard, the way that I can tell whether he's being deceptive or being truthful is that. And I found this to be very consistent across the board and a, a very useful tool when someone is is telling you the truth, they tend to have a mid pace rhythm. It tends to be consistent, like the actual way that they're presenting it to you. They tend not to stutter. They tend not to speed up. They tend not to slow down. They want you to hear everything that they're saying. When someone's telling you the truth, it's almost like a song 
and a rhythm is being told to you. It's very easy to follow. When, when someone's being deceptive, they'll speed up the pace. They'll slow down the pace. They'll buy time. And Howard is no different than anyone. When, when Howard is being deceptive, the main thing I've seen with him is that he speeds up. He wants it. He wants the attention off of him. And and you and Raven, I think, did a thing where Ralph stole the money in Vegas, or, or uh, they had a debate over it. He clearly stole the money. <laughs> and Howard it was me and Sam. But yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Sam. Was, and then Ca- Carrie and I took over the oh, rap show. I n- I nailed that. Yeah yeah. Okay, so that was. <laughs> I I I I just remember making a note. Howard was like he really sped things up because he knew he knew his friend was getting buried. Looked yep. bad. Everything looked yep. bad. He's like, oh, yeah. already got late, already got late. Already, and everyone was talking like his, his tempo sped up. Mm-hmm. And this is what Fillmore I pointed see. that out. Exactly. And that, that's why I was, I was coming back to it was because he, he wants it to end. People, when they're lying, they, they want the cognitive dissonance to end. They want it to speed up. They want the topic to change. Howard does this all the time. And and he actually has a really distinct rhythm to when he speaks. And I think that's what made him such a good broadcaster when he really was doing well and in his mm-hmm. prime. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why when he gets off that rhythm, it's so distinct for me, at least. Oh, yeah. But when he the the thing I've always noticed when he tells these stories about his mom, they always seem to be in this sort of mid tempo thing. He doesn't really seem to miss a beat. He wants you to hear what he's saying. And it really it it really seems to be truthful. He doesn't have his normal mechanisms. But at a certain point, wouldn't it have just been wrote like him telling a story again, like like something he learned and memorized? And that's why. It doesn't miss a beat because he's memorized these lyrics over and over in his head. So can we possibly contribute attribute that to him just kind of telling the same story over and over again? Okay, so here here's here would be my answer to that. And people are very good at lying, particularly people with narcissistic personality disorder. They they don't have the normal tells that other people have. Mm -hmm. But. When I see so when he talks about his father, he talks in very vague terms. My dad used to just call me an idiot. <laughs> why would he why would he call you an idiot? What was the context? People don't normally walk up and call anybody an idiot. Right. I mean, even even if there is no context, there's a context. Oh, he's drunk or he's just an abusive guy or or whatever. With with his mom, it seems like. It all kind of adds up mm-hmm. and it does co- sort of s- first off, we've seen her be abusive to him, which will show later on in this publicly where yeah. she's calling him a wuss and that yeah. he was he didn't go anywhere. He was a zero and he was he was he was weak. We know we've never seen that with Ben. And right. then on top of that, we don't really see the, the storyline of TM coming in. To to curtail Ben, it's all very vague. Yeah, you know Sam? what I mean. So that's when you need to look at the larger context. But go ahead. When when um, he was saying stuff about the tone of voice, and which I actually found very interesting about when he's being honest and his prime 
about when we really took him in as a genuine broadcaster and believed it and seemed genuine. Mm-hmm. And what was the context and what were the things that he was talking about? Well, he was trashing celebrities. Mm-hmm. He was trashing people. He was mm-hmm. talking shit about people. And it was him and Artie and other, cele- and you know, the crew. And they were mm-hmm. doing the things that he did with his mother. Yeah. Let's talk shit. Let's right. talk shit. And that was his most comfortable. The same shit he did with his mom about Mrs. So-and-so and blah, blah, blah. That is who, that's when he was his best. When it was yeah. opening up the paper who fucked up today and let's trash Oprah. Let's trash Lena Dunham. Whoever. Let's trash well, whoever. Look, look at what he said. This was and how he connected with his mother. Look, so this is how he connected with his mother. This is how he connected with his audience. That's why when all of that stopped, he lost his audience because we weren't mm-hmm. connecting with him anymore. Like not. this was this was the only way he ever developed. I, I think a lot of how you interact with your mother is how you learn to deal with people in the world because your your mother just has sort of a an emotional intelligence and so howard's emotional intelligence the way he connected with people was like he said with his mom trashing people what's with oprah she's fat as fuck you know we would all laugh about it you know and then the second that that stopped we were like okay we can't connect with this guy anymore he trashed his wife and people were like oh yeah i'm in a shitty marriage i get it but then all that kind of stopped. If you isolate him, his trashing wasn't actually that original or funny. It was the characters in the background that were right. actually delivering the comedy of it and doing the show. But and Sam, just be right. And Sam, by the way, I didn't mean sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The the reason why now you just you just touched on something that immediately put a light bulb in my head. Because uh, we attribute his awful interviews to him just being a fucking 79. But the other reason <laughs> why these interviews are so horrendous, beyond not knowing anything what he's talking about, beyond just being an old doddering fuck, uh, is that he actually can't relate to a person not trashing these celebrities that are now in his studio. So right. when, he was, when he was trashing people and then he would have a guest on – he was in his comfort zone, so he could do it. But then now that he's not allowed to trash people or only certain people, which now at this point, who, who does he trash anybody? And, and ex- he doesn't even mention people who used to work on the show. He edits them out practically from every fucking video that you see on his channel uh, as if they didn't exist anymore. So that's not trashing anybody. He doesn't trash politicians that he th- thinks are hot. He just when Andrew Cuomo went under when it when it, when all of a sudden it was incontrovertible incontrovertible proof that this has gone down or this like he's absolutely finished his career is over. Now all of a sudden it's like oh he's not uh, he's not uh, you know relevant anymore. Yeah, whatever. No need to even blue, discuss it. No need to is, discuss it. Whatever is blue check friendly. Well, yeah, look pretty, at pretty look much. at. Look at so so there's one thing we can all agree on. He yeah. was not honest about when he went on his sexcapades. Can we all agree Fuck that no. he he was not running through Manhattan's there's no mad elite. hair. So so look at when he's talking about that. He's talking about it at a super Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That girl, yeah, yeah. Write write her name down. Oh uh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, like look at the speed at which he's he he's just going so fast. He wants the attention off of him like 
I know that he's fucking lying that entire time because <laughs> the way that he's speaking is not the way he speaks when he tells the truth. It's not a right. mid-tempo thing where you want people to hear you. And and he's and I've seen him do that before where he really speeds up the tempo when he's lying about either relationships he's had or you know, he lies about a lot of stuff, yep. but yeah, that was that was a classic example. His uh, sexcapades that never yep. happened. Yeah, the twenty-four hour, yeah, the three-month beard. Basically, the beard conversation designed to you know cover the fact that he was a uh, probably getting down the down low with uh, with Ralph and maybe Cabby. I, I, I'm going to look more into that whole Cabby Beth Howard. Uh, you know, orig- the origin story one day because John Stamos. It, well, yeah, I mean, like these things are whitewashed completely. You don't really, he doesn't even mention Cabby anymore. And yet for years, oh, he was there that night. He was there. He could have been with her. Well, then why don't we mention him anymore? Even if he is a part of the past. So mm. we'll continue with this one, guys. I want to hear that one specific uh, audio of that camp. I used to love to wander around the camp and watch the, f- the families with one another and pretend to be an orphan. What? I loved that. <laughs> I loved I loved it. What did that mean, though? I loved it. I loved orphan. that I was free and they all had parents and I didn't. Did you? Uh... Uh, yes, Benji. Did you fantasize at all that one of the families would take you in? No, no, no. I wanted nothing to you do with that. You loved the freedom of no family at all. I loved all the kids at the camp. I hated adults. I, I've got no nourishment. Oh, oh, this is he used that keyword. I had to cut it off because it was thirty seconds, guys. But nourishment, nourishment from right. adults. I no under, connection from adults. I didn't understand adults. So seeing them with their families, you never time. got it made you situation. feel even more free. No, yes, yeah, I felt free. Like you, did you say, "Oh, that's so sweet that they're loving their families," or no, that wasn't part I, of it? It, it wasn't even that deep. It was just I was free. I wanted to be free. Hey, but you never saw a relationship that you no. wished you were in. No. Okay. Bob, I mean, that's what you, you can you can set a metronome. He yeah. he never misses a beat. No, on this. This, is, this is how I know he's telling the truth. Like every time that one comes back in, like it, it's just a seamless. He has a seamless way of communicating here. He's mm-hmm. absolutely being honest. Whatever whatever about, you just about said that specifically, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And the observation is so. The observation itself is just bizarre. Yeah. Well, yeah, that he didn't. That he didn't. The also the fact that he didn't. Em, he didn't um, empathize. Not empathize, but uh, like feel. Yeah, I guess empathize. Because you don't want to be an orphan. I mean, that's not something you want to ever be. That's not unless something you want to be hope for. Unless you want to be free. Of whatever of the this parents you have, is. yeah, the restrictions, right. the, the the loony bin that you're you've been uh, this permissive loony bin that he was made to be a part of. Right. Uh, let's continue with the original clip. Oh, you're good at that. <laughs> well, that's you got that down. Oh my god. <laughs> you're not gonna fit in. You're gonna wear. You're not gonna wear blue jeans. I'd hate those disgusting blue jeans. After all. You should dress every day like you're going to meet the governor. I'm not going to meet the governor. You're going to dress like one. And you'll wear nice Levi slacks. 
I looked like Tiny Tim all through high school. <laughs> well, that never changed. You, you still look like Tiny Tim as an adult. <laughs> oh, my God. And walk like him. Walk like, yeah, some freaking like the Bigfoot in the $6 million man. <laughs> Who was Andre the Giant, guys? A little bit of trivia. <laughs> Penny loafers and, and um, slacks with my long hair. Oh, boy. And how I got the long hair, don't ask me. That was a struggle. Yeah, that seemed uh, to not bother her. I had to cry a lot. Did it? Was it a struggle to keep your hair long? Yeah, I had to cry. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt that he did. Oh, because I don't doubt whining, it at all. Whining, crying, anything like he talked like more recently that whole um, Les Moonves thing. Not recently, but I would say in the last few years, where he talked about that whole revisiting going to Les Moonves' office, who said he's going to sue him for talking about Sirius the whole entire time, year and a half after he'd signed with uh, Sirius, and he was still on regular mm -hmm. radio promoting it, and waited until he was done to say we're going to sue you, and he cried. <laughs> In the office like a bitch. <laughs> just as if the crying was going to work against the guy who thinks you fucked him, which you did, basically. Um, anyway, that's a whole other saga. Lord. I was like a big six foot two crybaby. <laughs> I want my long hair. You cried for your hair. But you like these other mothers and these children. She hated all my friends, too. My friends were all bad. All of your friends are bad. They're bad. I go, they are? That, uh... Is that why you think you can't make close, close friends <laughs> I now? I guess not. I guess there's something to that. No, not, not that there's something to what your mother said, but that you believe what your mother said. Oh, I do. Well, I don't know how much Ray created the fact that he was an idiot and the fact that he had no social skills, but, I mean, Bob, I'm sure you'll agree that there's, there's, she, take, she bears some blame if this really yeah. all is true. But Absolutely. the other, you know, you're supposed to get past that somehow. Come on. I mean, you get a sport, you become like it's some, for some people it's as basic as I was part of the football team or the basketball team or track or whatever the fuck rowing. I don't know whatever the fuck it was in high school. And that's how you this association brings assimilation. Basically Sam rowing. Well, like, yeah, we had, we had rowing. He, he couldn't row. What is he going to row? But the point is, is that a, a person like a narcissistic parent that is that has their clutches in somebody yeah. so severe, exactly. they can't do that. They are paralyzed. They are yeah. seeing a complete removal of an identity. Yeah. He's saying, yeah. well, I, I think this person is this way. Your friends saying, are terrible. Their mothers yeah. are terrible. The neighborhood's terrible. The movies are terrible. Everything he does is hers. Yeah, yeah, that's why he could never when I talk to my friends, I have an identity. If it complete if I'm like, hey, my friend Kyle's pretty cool, and then my mom was like, No, he isn't. He's terrible. Uh I, the next time I see him, I don't even know how to interact with him. It's like, oh right. my mom thinks you're the devil. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> should we not hang out? I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I mean, not. Yeah. Our parents, uh, of course, have I'm sure have had uh, we've had friends in our lives where I'm sure our parents were less than thrilled with some of our friends. For sure. Like choices, you know. Oh, yeah. But if they were all of them, then that would be weird. Well, it would be weird for certain. And the other thing is the idea that um, as an adult like him, it would you would explain a lot more about why he could never settle on a look because 
his mother didn't yeah. tell him, you know, like he had to That's be a, told something is, is a good look and it isn't. And, oh, you're going to do this. And you're going to you're going to need someone to tell you what looks good, even if it looks like shit a, and you'll just go with it. You're seeing a complete destruction of an inner identity on yeah. every level. He's saying the way I identified with adults was wrong. The way I identified with my friends was wrong. The way that I identify with my parents was wrong. Everything was wrong. Are we having fun? Are we having fun? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. One has a fresh mouth. And believe you me, his parents don't teach him properly. <laughs> you, uh, you will be hated and I will be your only friend. <laughs> <laughs> My one friend. Believe me, those friends are overrated, dirty, (laughs) filthy. Go sit in your room where you're safe. This is like the more you listen to it, the more you kind of cringe and get like, yeah, yeah. You almost get like this. You know that film on your teeth that feels like you got an angora sweater in your mouth, uh, and you got you can't wait to scrub it off. That's how I feel now listening to his impression of Ray. If that really did happen, like if that was an yeah. exchange they had, I think it happened. And I think yeah. here we have his dad. The only thing he'd say is, "You're a moron. You're a moron." Here he just did like a fucking 10 minute impression in detail talking about his friends like, no, this is where you're getting your fucking problems from, dude. Like, (laughs) this is weird. You you just seamlessly went on. Norman, Norman. (laughs) He really is Norman Bates, man. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fluoride treatment at the dentist. It's like terrible. I mean, it's just... It's just brutal. And you're and when you're hearing it go on and on and on, like and just go to your room and sit there and don't come out and hide from everybody. Now, anytime he's ever tried to socially. So anytime he's tried to get an identity and socially interact, like in one of his sort of personalities, whether it be after the divorce and he's Mr. Strip Club and, you know, whatever sort of clothing he's wearing and whatnot what happens he immediately kind of reverts back to hide go back in it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's either go full out and then go right back in it's overcompensating or yeah tree right or or the idea that he needs like I'm just thinking about that Arsenio again, that appearance that he went had to fly over there, couldn't fly over by himself. He needed Gary to accompany him. And then Mommy Gary. Yeah, well yeah. And then and then yeah. when I'm going out in the town, I need Ralph to be with me. And then security guards. I need security yeah. guards. Like in New York, you don't need fuck maybe now you do, I don't know, but but in the you know, the heyday of Stern. Do you really need security guards in New York? We had a whole conversation about this. You can just go out. Most New Yorkers leave you the fuck alone because they know like it's you're, it's it's very commonplace for people to just leave each other the fuck alone. He needs wingman for wingman for wingman. Like he Big cannot time. Time. he cannot approach a woman. No he way. Needs, he needs what and he, and he talked about it. he's like, that's why I have Ronnie. Ronnie will go up and say what blah, blah, blah to a chick. He's like, I just I need, you know, like he needs that. There's no way that he could ever deal with a chick going, oh, no, you're fucking weirdo. Not even on the even on the show 
when he would do his assertive, you know, kind of absurd, disgusting lines to a woman that he thought was flirting or, you know, shock jockey radio and say a woman said something back to him that kind of was flirty back and she was even hitting back more forceful, you would see him revert like, uh oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a huge Uh, wuss. uh Oh, I (laughs) that's why I, I, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, his appearances, his appearances on like Jimmy Kimmel and Dave Letterman. And I I hate watching because they're so overcompensating and I can just see this guy is terrified and it's just so over the top. The way he takes it over the way it's just like, dude, relax. Well, you know. I guess my mom had a lot of fears. You know, she grew up terribly. I think she was a little paranoid. Yes. You know, she had a horrible upbringing. She had a tough life. Yeah. Don't I know it? Oh, you think you have it bad. (laughs) Well, listen. I was passed off from family to family. My mother died when I was nine. I had no one except for my sister who passed away. And then my father, your grandfather... Who I want you to love, and you don't need to know all this. Okay, she's gonna. Here comes the horror story about the grandpa. I'm telling you this, but I shouldn't be. <laughs> he would pass us off from family to family, and then one day he remarried, and I was so happy because I got to go home and I would have a family, and he ruined that. He got a divorce from that woman. <laughs> I loved that woman. She cooked us food and did our laundry. I never had a doll. I never had a clothing. I only had one pair of underpants. Okay. So this is, to me, this sounds like when she's saying, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm telling you this. Okay. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. All right. So we're plowing through that. uh, You know, we're plowing through that curb. And then we're going right through to this I love this woman, but she divorced and took her away. So this sounds like some sort of I'm upset about what happened to me. So mm-hmm. you're going to pay for it. Pretty much. It sounds like you are really into your own bullshit. Even if even if you went through all that, you, you don't put that on your kid. No, I mean, you, you're you going to hear it. You figure out like. There's a lot of shit I went through. My kid doesn't need to hear when he's that young. I'll tell him when he's fucking 30, you know, like that. You don't no one wants to hear that about their parents. That's that's so, heavy shit. OK, so what's the combina- which, hold, hold on. What's the combination of giving the kid everything he could have ever wanted, but then also filling him up with all this like dread and all this stuff that really he should you're, as you said, should take as an adult if you want to go down that route and tell them of the real stories, why not just wait? But it doesn't seem like it's like you're going to if you want this, you're also going to take this. You got to finish off the plate. Whatever we give you is what we're giving you. Take it or leave it. Well, what do you mean? What is it? What it is now is Howard Stern, because this is a combination well, <laughs> of those two things. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I could understand his as a. Uh, uh, his antipathy or his uh, his inability to really emote if he'd been raised by two emotionless parents or really austere and really like fucking stern, pardon the expression, stern or a super corporal punishment like he'd beaten. Like I can understand if he turned into an out and out sociopath more than 
I can't, which he might be anyway, but I can understand mm-hmm. it more if he had more extremely negative parents. And I, I don't know that it was always the case. It's just, I find it fascinating. I just want like this his, whole his, trajectory. His mom was an extremely negative parent. Listen to what he just talked about. Yeah, that's she not a was. positive parent. That's not a nourishing parent, as he says. That's not right. a supportive parent. That's someone that's wrapped up in their own bullshit. That's traumatizing you. But his but his dad would have been. But except I, that but he's his, not his, really his around. His dad's an old his dad's an old school guy. He didn't know yeah. how to fucking I, cup his balls. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> he probably wanted. I'm gonna, it, I'm, gonna I'm gonna give a little I'm gonna give a little bit of devil's advocate, or I'm gonna sure. say a little levity here. When I do see Ben and Ray interact with one another, they have a levity about each other that is jovial and engaging. And I've always enjoyed their interaction with one another. And I have always enjoyed them on the air. So there is something about their personality that is quite engaging. I'm not saying it might be the best to grow up with. And clearly in these clips, it's super abusive but, but yeah. they, they healed that later on and howard talks about in other interviews where his dad actually said to her a couple times let's become alcoholics because she was so self-absorbed so mm-hmm. depressed he didn't know what to do with her she's completely narcissistic she's completely into her own bullshit she's mm-hmm. laying it on her kids she's laying it on her husband right and so he didn't the, know what to do with her. So he said, hey, let's become alcoholics. That's how that's how much despair was in that home that the father actually asked her if they should become alcoholics. That's, that's how the, bad it was. So that's the problem I have with Ray is you don't lay it on your kid. No, I don't care how bad did. it is. You don't ever put it on your kid. Yeah, ever. exactly. Your kids shouldn't know. You, ever. It's not her fault. They don't know. You go on and your kid should never know. If something goes on with one of your other parents or co-parents or whatever, they shouldn't know. It's not their fault. It's not their business. They, period. End of story. You know what I'm saying? Their life yeah. should go on happily. And this well, I mean, is the root as, of yeah, power. but as an adult, if as an adult, if you actually ask your parents, they shouldn't be afraid to tell you what really happened. If you're, if it, you know, if it, so it has to do adult, with I got Yeah. As an adult, if that child wants to ask that specific parent, yeah. that's their business. But okay. I personally think, as a for a child, I don't ever want to put any shit in. It's not. Ever. Not before, like, it's, I don't, not before it's time. But this Never. is, yeah. this is well, what happened uh, to Howard, though. This is the mm-hmm. whole right. point. That's bad. He, he got this whole story and everything so much to, to the extent that he lost all sense of self, which is what MPD yeah. ultimately does to a person. Okay. And, yeah. and this is really the core and the beginnings of what we see now which is his own NPD, which is essentially like, like I've pointed out a few times, just a reincarnation of what he went through with his mother and why. So what I did think he do to his is, kids then? He neglected them. He neglected them. How, yeah. how, how, how much have you guys covered that? 
So then wasn't that an ultimate favor? He, well, he, I think it, yeah, it was because they got in raised by way, Allison yeah, mostly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, in, in the same way, would you say that he would have been better served if Ray was in the workforce and Ben sp- had spent more time with him instead and just given him like a solid work ethic? You know, just get, come on, let's do this. Come on with me. I'll show you how to do recording. I'll show you how to modulate things, whatever. Uh, I, it certainly seems like it would have been more stable. Like, sure. Like I think in, Ben in, should have taken him to work every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, but he couldn't. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're you're, talk, you're talking about a guy from from the 30s, 40s, 50s that was in the military. I mean, he he went through his own struggles and and he probably didn't really know what to do. And no yeah. one, I'm not, I'm not. I, I I think he was a good guy. I think mm-hmm. that he was a stand up guy, and everything seems to point to him at least trying to make things right. But again, yeah. he, he was a human being at the end of the day. And uh, a lot of guys, a lot of people that grew up during that time had fathers like that. But a lot of people also had mothers where it was their full-time job to sort of be the at-home nurturing thing. In yeah. Howard's case, his mom came from a pretty traumatic background. And I, and, and again, I don't think she really knew what to do, to be honest yeah. with you. And I think that's just kind of who she was. And she had suffered a lot of abuse. She transferred that abuse over to Howard. But... I, I do think his dad was a little bit of a better soul. I can say that much. I think he was he's a stand up guy and go ahead. But don't you think though then it is, even though we shit on Howard for being neglectful, which it is mm-hmm. shitty. Yeah. But ultimately it is the better thing to do. It is. I mean, definitely in his case, um, because he would ultimately fucking destroy them. Exactly. Well, well, yeah, but I don't. My question would have been, was it organic or was it incidental? Like, did he he didn't I don't think he had a thought in his head like I'm going to save them by not being their parent, not being. I think I think it was it was it was it wasn't even he didn't give it that consideration. It was strictly I don't want to fucking be a parent. I think Howard's understanding of what adults and parents were, what we heard in that clip was they're into their own bullshit. Parents are different from kids. Parents do what they need to do. Guys are into their own stuff. And that's all that Howard did. I'm into my own bullshit. I'm into jerking off. I need my own room. Not (laughs) Uh super into having these kids. I don't really want much to do with them. I need to do what I need. Like that's, at the end of uh, at the end of a lot of you know you brought up kids that have parents with MPD. At the end of the day, the main thing that you see is neglect. It's yeah. not so much physical abuse. It's not as yeah. much verbal abuse. You do see that. You see a lot of that. But you just see people that are so into their own shit. They don't really have a relationship with their kids, and in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, that is the abuse. Is yeah. that you're not actually functioning as a parent. You're mm-hmm. So into your own bullshit, his mom crying about shit that happened. like and not that that's not tough stuff. But right. for me personally, if you're bringing somebody into the world, which I've never done, you you need to figure out a way to put that shit to the side or don't have kids. Yeah. I mean, or that, tell someone or tell someone problem. else. Go to an tell, actual tell therapist. somebody else. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't put it on Howard. Or yeah. whatever the daughter, I guess, recognize early on. My mom is just here to destroy my happiness she seemed to be able to deal with it in a better way but i'm sure she has her own problems too you know i mean i don't know anything about her really but i'm sure she has problems 
Yeah. Because someone this dysfunctional where you're worried about her committing suicide, I can't imagine dealing with that as a kid, honestly. But worried again, about my mom. But again, he wasn't a kid when that happened. Okay, well, he wasn't a kid when that happened, but she was an extremely miserable person. It sounded like sure. most of the time. And then it sounded like whenever the sister died, that was sort of the catalyst for her to really go into whatever it was that she was in. It's almost like someone's a chronic alcoholic and then they have this catalyst to just drink right. vodka all day, you know. Well, um, I think I've, I know for I know for a fact we have addressed it on an episode. I can't for the life of me have the recall to to remember exactly which one but my contention was that when it did happen ben was concerned about her personally because it's his wife obviously and he loves her and he cares yeah. about her he wants to see sure. her well my contention was howard didn't give a fuck about seeing her well except that she could no longer provide for him if she was this distraught so he was more about how can i get her to the point where she's do- doting on me again and she's tricky treating me like, uh, you know, and she's I don't think he cared anymore. I think it was surface level, like she's not uh, serving my needs anymore. So I got to get her to that point where she's able to again. Right. Because, again, she treated him like an appendage. But it was an appendage that she paid attention to all the time, fixated. Right. right. Yeah. So I don't know. I could be way off. Maybe he really did love her and care for her, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird – and guys, I apologize no. also if we're too diffuse and we're all over the place, but we're trying to find answers ourselves, so it's it's a work in progress. I don't think she – I don't think he really loved her. I right. think it was just more so a validation issue, and I think probably what we'll go into more in later episodes is where we hear her publicly insult him. You know, more than well, a couple of times. You well, know, now like, do well now that they're in this home and they're in COVID and they're in their apartment, and he's saying Ellen wants them out. Ellen wants them to be able to eat dinner in the in the dining hall. They're vaccinated. They have their boosters and whatnot, and they can have dinner with other people in the dining hall. And Howard will not let them out of the room. He must have some sort of conservatorship over them. Yeah, and really so, so he's arguing with Ellen, I guess he said yeah. on the latest show or whatever. Uh-huh. And he, she's saying, we just want to see other people. And he's saying, no, I just want you to live. I think it's just, I you could th- have it I worse think- that you have it better than the Taliban. You could be in the Taliban. You could be in Afghanistan. You could be an Afghanistan his, woman. So is it, it a control? Long, it's a long-planned it, revenge, man. It's yeah, revenge he doesn't, over Ray. He, do, he doesn't. He doesn't care about them or their well-being or anything. No, this is being sadistic, is what that be, is. Because Ellen's saying and Ray's saying, what's the point of living if our quality of life is shut in one room every day and we're not living and we don't like it? And yeah, he's that's a what, sick. He's a sick guy. And they're saying, and he's saying, "Who cares? You're you're alive, and that's all I care about." And he won't let them out. That's why I do these podcasts. I mean, this, son, this is who he is. Son of the he's year, sadistic guy. Guys, we are going to continue. We're going to let leave it off there for now. We hope you've enjoyed this particular um, this particular brand of NPD that we've gone down. Uh, and now that we've started one, we know we can just 
fly into the next one real quick and we don't have to go into more uh, external clips not involving Wiggy. And we'll definitely get this is all going to be super clip heavy going forward, guys. So, again, uh, we wish we could have had more in this one, but I think it's a good start. And um, leave us your comments, guys. How do you feel about in the YouTube session on Podbean, uh, even on Patreon? If you what do you feel about stuff we've discussed, Sam? Yeah, and leave us your opinions because I really like everybody's take on this subject. Yeah, absolutely, and Facebook as well. I shouldn't, I shouldn't disregard that. Um, and uh, guys, we just a, a quick plug, just to let you also know, um, the last two weeks of December, if I'm not mistaken, I got to get my thing, the 19th and 26th, which is following into like the first week, the week before Christmas, and then the week before New Year's, we are not going to have a show on Sunday for the 19th and the 26th. We are going to have Patreon content going on at that time as well, but we need a break sometimes. We've had a long year and it's been really tough. Uh, and that's going to be our little break. So it's not we're going off the air or we're taking away the Sunday shows. We just need a break from being able to do the live chat and go in and just to refresh. Unlike Wiggy and Robin, we really do need to refresh our batteries. So just giving you a heads up. <laughs> and we love all you. We hope you don't think we're pieces of shit for leaving you alone for two weeks. Because the other thing is also during that week, it's so busy and a lot of people can't make it in the live chats anyway. So they end up listening after the fact. So we would want to give you guys also a break and not feel like you got to hang with us for two, three hours to talk about this piece of shit. And don't you want to see all your NPD relatives around Christmas time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, guys. This was a heavy foundational episode. We'll we'll keep it lighter going forward, but we had to lay some groundwork on this one. Right. Yeah, now go crawl, crawl in a ball and cry. That's right. Wait till we start playing clips like I could hold out two hours with my mother. Well, the or... biggest wuss that ever lived. Exactly. My favorite one. <laughs> this clip is called Wiggy Explains What Ray Thinks of His Cats and Running. <laughs> I so, can't wait to hear that. Remember when he used to run? I mean, like, that just blows my mind. He used to, like, jog. Yeah. Picture that, st- that stick figure like, insect running. Yeah. Like the little skeleton in the Talking Heads video at the bottom, uh, Road to Nowhere. <laughs> Fun guys, we love you. Take care. Pasta shoot. Pasta, 